0: Hi I'm Roberta I'm a Grateful Recovered Compulsive Ovarita and I'm really happy to be here it's my first time speaking at the kitchen sink and I was wondering when you were going to ask me. (laughs) Humility is uh, still uh, still a work in progress. (laughs) So uh, where did I come from? I came from the East Coast and I kind of got transplanted here uh, and I've been dabbling here in LA for a few years when we came for a few months in the winter and last August a year ago August we sold our house and we moved here and so now I'm permanently in Los Angeles uh you know and I'm really grateful to be here this is where OA began and I feel I'm really happy in this city it's uh it's helped my program in a lot of ways because I see aspects of the disease more clearly here there is much more uh, anorexia, bulimia, body dysmorphia. I look at these beautiful young women and I hear their problems and it makes me realize that I've got to accept my body the way it is and not want that next five or next ten pounds, that it's a sickness. So um, I come to this disease. I think I was born with it. I always um, saw food differently than everybody else around me. I loved food, family time, and eating was a highlight. My father owned a luncheonette in Manhattan, so he'd bring home extra food. Portions were huge. My parents were very social, so there was always a lot of entertaining, and all the, uh, all the goodies came out, and I was happy to help and help clean up, and, uh, you know, with a lot of it going into my mouth and by the age of I was born in Brooklyn and I lived in a very um, really a close community everybody was the same and then we moved to Long Island to Valley Stream and people were a little different they weren't all of my religion and I had a lot of trouble um, sort of fitting in so I think I started putting on weight then I remember the by eighth well I remember being humiliated in sixth grade when they called the weight across the room and I was 125 pounds and I don't know I mean most sixth graders I guess are about 80 pounds 70 or 80 but by by eighth grade I remember being 213 pounds and starting to act out in school I was always the good girl but then I was trying to get attention and uh, you know had a lot of experiences that everyone else did did a lot of dieting a lot of um, always very good at losing the weight but it came back very quickly and uh, never kept weight off so I struggled um, you know all through high school and everything that I didn't accomplish I blamed on fat. it was a wonderful Uh, opportunity to not take responsibility Uh, you know they didn't choose me for the sorority because I was fat and the same thing happened in college and I never looked at my part in anything I was always blaming I was always pointing outward always thinking that you were my problem the world was my problem and uh, you know I was just a victim a bystander and you know just just things, so askewed. It's just amazing to me, now that I'm in this wonderful program, how how I didn't have the right picture of the world. Well, originally I thought the world revolved around me, and then my father he was my first God I absolutely adored him and uh, my my history with God is kind of um, you know, really I was always seeking I remember trying to become more religious several times in my life to think that I would get closer if I did certain religious practices, especially when my son became a rabbi. I thought, well, that's what I have to do until finally I'll get to that, um, that I really had a big spiritual awakening and realized that, um, you know, I have to find something that works for me. I don't have to use anybody else's higher power. So I came into program 1979. I was approaching my 40th birthday. Didn't want to be fat and 40. That was the phrase going around then. You know, first I, I remember taking out life insurance because I was, I was over 240 pounds and I was gr- gaining, you know, um, totally out of control with the eating. I at that point I had been working uh, I had been teaching in New York City public schools and then well no not yet in 1979 I had been teaching out in the suburbs and then I stopped to raise my two children and when I wanted to go back there was nothing available because the schools had expanded so quickly so I went to work in my father's luncheonette which really said my, you know, I think when I started working there, I was about 180 or 90 pounds in 75, and by 79, I was well over 240. So uh, I remember commuting on the Long Island Railroad, and uh, there were three seaters, and if the two end seats were taken, I would never try to squeeze myself in the middle seat. As exhausted as I was, I'd rather stand. Um, you know being the name calling I'm still very sensitive the big book says we're too sensitive I am too sensitive because I think of all the cat calls and the nasty remarks in high school it just uh, it still burns me when I hear that or see that and uh, but I've lightened up a little I've learned to make fun of myself and to you know to see that um, humor heals and humor helps and I'm, I'm not really so funny but those are the shares I love when everybody's laughing so um, anyway I came into OA in 1979 I really loved the program you told me it was a disease it wasn't my fault it wasn't a matter of willpower I loved it didn't like the God word so much but I could tolerate it because you told me I could make the rooms or anything my higher power so I I had a lot of physical recovery I was handed a food plan it was a blue sheet and I stuck to it I called my sponsor every night and told him my food for the next day I worked the 30 questions I started working the steps and I had a lot of physical and emotional recovery in the first year or two I lost 100 pounds in 10 months Uh, I felt terrific my self-esteem grew as the weight came off and and now I've learned that that's Not all that goes into self-esteem. Yes, feeling good and looking good helps a lot. But it has to be doing good on the inside, feeling good on the inside, not just the way I look. So I had a lot of emotional recovery because I worked through the fourth step. I saw my part in a lot of things. I started making my amends. I started seeing getting outside help. So it opened me up. OA really opened me up, and that's one of the assets, I guess, that I have. I really love to learn, and I am open-minded, and I think you need to be open-minded because you never know when you're going to hear a little, you know, maybe a cliche for years in the, in the rooms, but you just hear it differently one day, and it really helps to turn things around. So I stay open-minded and uh, unfortunately I took the first bite after maintaining the weight loss for nine months and I was off and running. I am so grateful that you spoiled the way I eat because I could never just put my head in the pie again the way I used to and not come up for six months. I couldn't eat the way I ever ate and just with wild abandon and loving it. So it's kind of, it's, it's good because you planted the seed that never let me gain back all the weight I lost. So for many years, you know, from 1982 to, not, to 2002, the 20 years I struggled in relapse and recovery and I've had a few days and I had a few months and, and uh, but the big prize eluded me because I didn't have a spiritual program. I relied on my sponsor. I relied on my friends. The fellowship was wonderful. I have made fabulous friends there. When I left Long Island, 50 of my nearest and dearest friends threw me a party. It was fabulous. Um, But the spiritual eluded me. And thank God, in 2002, I don't know what happened. I was reading a book, and it just reminded me, when was i most peaceful and felt best about myself when i was working this program in the beginning years when i was passing it on it was the first time in my life that i really felt useful that i could pass this program on and i always wanted to be at the next table at your table and i started learning to appreciate where i am now and i saw things differently i understood the spiritual awakening it's just a change in perception it's a change in personality because instead of seeing things from one perspective I can turn around and see it from another point of view and that really helped me to grow so I got a sponsor who was very I you can tell spiritual people there's, I don't know there's an energy there's a quietness so I was attracted to somebody and helped me to, to make a higher power that worked for me. Somebody, she taught me how to talk to God, how to pray to God. I took some of the prayers from the big book. I, you know, I've done a lot of different prayers. I took out books on meditation and, you know, like our stepbook says, there's no wrong way to meditate. As long as I'm willing to sit down and just be still for as long as I'm willing to do it, that's great. So now I have a, um, you know, I decided at that time to make one of the rooms in my house my meditation room. So that was a, was a very nice idea because it was a place that I went every morning and she convinced me to do a first thing in the morning before I exercised, before I did anything else. And that, to this day, I really think is important. Even if I'm on vacation, even if it's five minutes, I, con- I connect with God in the morning. So my spiritual practice today is maybe 15, 20 minutes of just um, writing in a journal. And somebody, you know, on retreat, sometimes we'd, I've written letters to, from God to myself. And it's always very empowering and loving. So somebody told me about um, a new way that she's praying where she'll ask God a question in the morning and then she'll write the answer from God and so I've been doing that for a few days or otherwise I just journal it might be a 10 step it might be you know what was good in the day what was a glitch in the day what was a goal that I had for the day and some gratitude the four G's or the AEIOU there are so many websites and so much material you know from OA that you can get to help you to sort of do the 10 step um, every day which keeps up with, with keeping my side of the street clean and keeping my spirit empty of resentments and excess food and anger and all the things that used to block me from the sunlight of the spirit so um, I became more spiritual I guess you'd say and I developed a spiritual practice and I read two, bo- two daily books and uh maybe more and I do a meditation and somebody uh you know I've done various kinds of meditation like I say sometimes I sit and I just breathe in and out and just just catch the breath you know and um and it all helps it all helps because I'm a negative person that's just have my DNA just like I'm always going to be a compulsive overeater I say I'm recovered but I know I'm not cured it can come up at any time but God has actually removed the obsession with the food with the whole thing not to say that some days I'm not attracted to the food and I want the food but by and large it's removed and if it does crop up it's for a very short time so I know that I'm recovered because I am not going to it's just it stopped working for me just like a lot of character defects now have stopped working for me so I've really um last night I was at just this wonderful service that somebody told me about it was at the ocean and um, it's in conjunction with Rosh Hashanah and also it was so much our sixth step you're supposed to take all your sins or your shortcomings and throw them into a living body of water and um, so I did that yesterday and it was like another step six being willing to let go of the defects that are holding me back the judgmental, the critical, the perfectionism, all the things, the self-hatred, all the things that hold me back, the people-pleasing. And um, just throwing them into the ocean and just giving them to God was a wonderful cathartic experience. I know I've done that at retreats where there's something that I couldn't forgive myself for, and the leader would say, you know, Sometimes we threw rocks into a fire or into a water. And sometimes it just doesn't happen at once. The character defects, you know, it's been now 12 years since I've been absent, since I'm on the spiritual path. I still have them all, but to a lesser degree. And maybe some of them are are much milder and and even gone. Um, So I'm just so grateful, um, grateful for the people in these rooms. And most of all, I'm grateful for the steps of Overeaters Anonymous because those showed me how to live my life. I never lived through the Ten Commandments. I, I just, it wasn't, we weren't religious. I didn't, didn't feel God when I went to any religious service. It wasn't until the OA rooms that I started feeling God in the rooms through the kindness and love that I feel and the camaraderie that we have with each other. So, um, you know, the principles behind each step is really what being in the steps is all about. And the first step is honesty. I had to get honest with the foods, the foods that give me trouble, that I better stay away from, the foods that I can eat, and also honesty in all areas of my life. That has been... I mean, dishonesty has been a thread since I was three years old and lied about who ate the cupcake. And that dishonesty just grew and grew. And I was taking the lipsticks in the, from the drug stores and taking the candy from the candy stores. And I, I was dishonest when I worked for the um, New York City. I've already made amends. I used to be in charge of ordering things. And I took home so many things that were not mine. I just did not have a moral compass as far as dishonesty. You know, like I say, I loved my father and he was my, my first God. Well, he had this luncheonette. And in order to really stay, uh, I guess, solvent, he had to pay off. Like when the Board of Health came, They would write him up unless he paid them off, and he had to pay off the union guy. So I saw dishonesty in not such a bad way. I don't know, but it really did me a lot of damage, and I love to tell the story that really was the aha moment for my dishonesty. I had taken out money from the ATM machine, and I was wearing a wallet around my neck, so I didn't have my bag with me, went to the supermarket I had a, a rain chest for Russian dressing and I wanted to buy I don't know ten of them because there was you know but the, the thing said you're only allowed four the week of the sale there was no limit so that self-righteous <laughs> justifiable anger so if they let me buy ten I'll pay for this pack of them otherwise I'm going to put it in my pocket you know I'm always making deals deals with God you know if you do this then I'll do that So she only let me buy four and the gum went into my pocket and I walked out with my groceries and all of a sudden I'm driving away. I put the stuff in the trunk. People are picking up $20 bills from the parking lot and I realized that the money from the ATM had all spilled out into the parking lot. God can take away more from me you know it just it was a really um, a very visible um, reminder to me of who's in charge so my honesty is getting better and better it's not hundred percent if you don't charge me for coffee I don't usually say anything but I won't steal something so it's a little bit better than it was so step two is hope I have to be hopeful uh, I want to be hopeful because I, like I say I, I'm, I'm a negative person to begin with so when I wake up I, I don't have a lot of hope so I need my spiritual practice to at least bring me to sea level and, uh, and then step three is faith and I continue to have conscious contact with God during the day I talk to him in my car Um, I see God in such things. Last night, the sunset was magnificent. I watched it go down behind the water, and it was beautiful. It was the first time I saw the sunset there uh, behind the Pacific. It was beautiful. So in program, I've gone through a lot of things in these last 12 and a half years. I've learned acceptance. I was chair of um, a region convention in Region 6 in 2006, and we had terrible rains and the parking lot flooded and I was busy helping everyone move your car, get it here. Meanwhile, my car was getting flooded and when I went to try to get it out, I was getting deeper in the water until finally I felt it floating and I kind of let go and okay, you know, and then... Some people were tow truck drivers I guess the hotel floods all the time which we didn't know helped me to pull it back reverse sometimes I have to reverse I have to change the direction I'm going in to get to safety the car drove us home over 200 miles the car was then totaled it was just an amazing miracle I've had so many miracles in this program my son and daughter-in-law I told you he became a rabbi he's very religious they decided to move to Israel and uh, eight years ago, they packed up, them and my six grandchildren, and they moved to Jerusalem. And instead of me saying, how can you take my grandchildren from me? They were only an hour away. They were in New Jersey. I was, I was so happy for them because I know that they will thrive there. When Hurricane Sandy came in 2013, you know, my house was totaled. I mean the water I don't even I didn't even live that close to the ocean but I did live near an inlet and there were three feet of water in the house luckily we had the apartment in Los Angeles that the um the house was rebuilt but it helped me to move here because although it was gorgeous and nicer than it used to be it didn't feel like my house anymore so, yes, my photos all got ruined, and i had it helped me with letting go every challenge you know they say, and i don't know if I should say that on the tape, but it's kind of cute. I think a friend of mine has a hat asco another fucking growth opportunity, another, you know, that's what each challenge is. And I absolutely, because of this program, I react differently. And I'm, okay, what am I here to learn from it and move on? So, um, and then sometimes I can't see the goodness in it at the moment. And I have to remember that. You know, when, when the hurricane hit, it was devastating. But now that I'm living in Los Angeles and winter's coming and I don't care yeah. and, uh, you know, I just love the sun. It has helped me so much because I really thrive in sunshine and I just expect the sun every day and it's so nice. So um, then step four is the courage, the courage to look at my part in things and continue doing that daily. And then step five is integrity. You know, I was always a chameleon and I who was who I thought you wanted me to be. And now I'm more of who I am. This is Roberta, this is who I am. Uh, step six willingness, I have, I love it. I'm willing to change, I'm willing to grow step seven humility step eight self-discipline you know after years of staying on a very structured food plan I now can eat everything anything I don't choose to most of the time but I think it does take self-discipline the big book says we are undisciplined people and God has to discipline us and step nine love and forgiveness step 10 perseverance I have to do it every day I cannot rest on my laurels if I'm not moving forward I'm moving backward. 11 spiritual um, connection and 12 service I love doing service I'm very involved in way. I sponsor a lot of people I do a lot of service on the group level on you know intergroup region i'm going to region two this year for my first time region two i've gone to world service a number of times i love it anybody can go it's uh it's a wonderful opportunity and um i guess i okay so that's my time and i appreciate that i had the opportunity to share with you all thank you (coughs) Okay. this is the time for questions only there is no sharing at this meeting if you need to share please do so with any one of us after the meeting also please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of overreaders anonymous as a whole when asking questions you need not identify yourself um, please remember if you ask a question your voice may be audible on the OA podcast Okay, questions.:. David. Thank you. Um, I've seen a lot of people who went the Thank you. Uh, the question is, how, when you go to another city, uh, how do you make it feel like your home, the steps that I took? So um, I was really grateful that there were so many meetings in Los Angeles and I went to a few meetings and I started going regularly to meetings and meeting people and uh, reading the 12-stepper and I saw that they were going to have elections for a new board and I thought well that might be a nice way to meet new people and um, so I self-nominated myself last October and I became vice chair and it's given me a real opportunity to get close to a lot of people and, uh, you can rise very quickly in VOA, uh, <laughs> rooms. All you need is a little willingness and time. And, uh, it's a great service because, uh, you know, this program saved my life and, um, and I couldn't give back as much as I've been given. So I think going to meetings and really reaching out and, uh, I spoke when I was asked to at a workshop or two. I think service is really the answer. By participating in your group, in your, you know, giving service, uh, you start to feel at home because then first when I put people's names in my phone, I used to say L.A. Tony, L.A. Ellie. And then I had so many L.A.'s, I said, wait a minute. I better just take out the L.A. and just start Ellie, Tony, and whoever, you know, so... Anyway, that's how I did it. Thanks. Uh, thank you so much for Okay. Um, uh, my meal plan is kind of uh, following um, generally choosing foods that are healthy for me. My abstinence is much more than that because it's, a, it's um, handling whatever I eat in a loving manner so it's treating myself with love and respect and all you know I've put down that whip you know the difference between my food plan and abstinence it's hard to differentiate because when I came in they were synonymous the food plan was the abstinence that was one of the tools and then they changed it and abstinence was kind of our um mantra you know never loved I don't love the word abstinence I don't even like the word abstinence but I was reading a spiritual book and they said the opposite of abstinence is not denial but it's balance and that made a lot of sense to me I have balance with my food I eat in a you know, guilt-free way, I eat sanely, Uh, you know, I use utensils, Uh, (laughs) I don't go through drive-ins anymore, Uh, you know, I don't eat secretly, so my abstinence is kind of all of that, Um, and my food plan is the road to get there. You said that um, you had character defects that weren't working. That's a great question. How do character defects change on you and stop working for you? You know, there's that line in the book, what's it doing to me and what's it doing for me? And that's what I had to look at. The food was clearly, when I came in, I was ready to surrender it because it wasn't doing anything for me anymore. It was just taking me out and making me remorseful and miserable and self-hatred so that was obvious the character defects kind of played the same way after a while my judgmental nature was not working for me me thinking oh they came in late right to the meeting again uh, oh they should you know that need to it's kind of a few of them mixed together my controlling judgmental critical nature where I'm always uh, figuring out the point you know what they do right what they do wrong and then I'm doing the same thing to myself and it only leads to self-hatred and um, you know that that putting yourself down it's a I realize it's a punishing way to be if I'm in judgment it's not up to me to judge somehow um, you know it was doing more to me than for me it wasn't feeling good anymore to be a judge. I didn't want to be anyone else's judge because then I would feel if I was speaking that you were judging me and I didn't like that feeling. So slowly I'm trying to see that we're all in the same ship because I was always a little bit better than. Uh, you know, a lot of times a little bit worse then. But that arrogance and that need to be different, the need to be this banana with the Chiquita label on it, and need to stand out, you know, it's slowly changing. It's slowly changing, and I see that it's by judgment that keeps me apart. But it's by identification that keeps me together so the judgment leads to envy because you have something I want and jealousy and it just starts being that nasty green little devil and uh, it's just doesn't serve me anymore it's yucky I don't want it and so I keep it I mean it's not the first time I went to a retreat where they did a phoenix thing where you threw things into the fire you know and then the phoenix comes out and I remember uh, that judgment no I think forgiveness was the one I did then but judgment is very much still front and center I, I would love for that to leave me thanks other questions? Janet? you have lost a uh, big amount of weight what do you do with the body change and the loose pain and Yes, when you lose a big amount of weight, there's a lot of body change, and uh, so I do have a lot of skin under my arms, and um, also with aging, you know, there's a lot of loose skin in my thigh. Like I finally got thin, but then they were all kind of uh, old already, so I couldn't even <laughs> so I couldn't even uh, show off my legs, you know, which are now thin. So um, I. I actually, I do a lot of work with accepting who I am. You know, I I have a certain body shape. I never was pear-shaped. My hips are straight, but I hold all the weight in the middle. And when I wear jeans, and I was just trying them on because I didn't wear them all summer, so they're much tighter than usual pants, so it pushes some fat up, and I don't like it. But I buy bigger shirts, and it hides it. You know, um, I always thought that if I lost another 5, another 10, and I got down to like 133 pounds. And it's just, uh, it's too little for me. I have to restrict to eat that little. And even my weight now is a little bit more than it was for the first 10 years because I was able to maintain about 140 pounds. And I don't know, maybe my lifestyle changed when we moved to Los Angeles. We eat out more, and I drink wine now and then, and I'm not willing to restrict. So it's up to 145, 147 pounds. But, you know, for a while I kept thinking, okay, I'm going to lose these 5 I'm going to lose these slides. And then I had this aha moment when in 1973, when I had gone to a commercial weight loss program, my goal weight was 147. I was 30-whatever. And that was my goal away. So where am I going? And like I say, the people in these rooms help me because I see these gorgeous women, young women, who want to get thinner. And, and they like, when is it enough? So I think it has to be it's enough. I have to I want to feel comfortable and I've heard people say feeling comfortable in your own skin I love that phrase so I'm comfortable in my own skin it's an appropriate weight nobody's going to say oh she's obese I just want to be normal I don't have to be the thinnest person on the block because I'm in Overeaters Anonymous I can't expect myself to be so perfect and rigid I don't want it I want to enjoy food so I think it just comes from acceptance I think that's the answer to a lot of things this is who I am look at yourself in the mirror and you know you're beautiful and we uh, believe it thank you was that the time yeah, you have a, uh, okay Diane thank you so much um, you talked about the well, sexual how do you work step 10 in okay so um, step 10 I have various, various ways to work it, but basically step 10 is a spot check. So if I'm being nasty to the cashier because I think she's too slow, you know, I immediately catch myself. It's immediately changing my attitude and my feeling, so a lot of it is on the spot and then my reflective step 10 if something comes up like my resentment my husband isn't being who i want him to be you know is a very common uh thing that i run into so i really i use a step four sheet and i'll really see what what is it affecting you know is it my self-esteem my sex relations what is it affecting and what is my part in it well my part in it is i know who he is and it's my expectations that are you know causing it so I'll do an extensive tenth step if I really have a resentment that I want to get rid of otherwise like I said I do those four G's just something good in the day a glitch in the day gratitude and um, a goal or I'll do A-E-I-O-U, how was my abstinence, my exercise. I exercise every day. I enjoy exercising. I wear a pedometer so I get credit for my exercise. I like to see those 10,000 steps on it every day. So I use it in my pocket, it's a great motivator. I, what did I do for myself today? This afternoon I booked a massage. What am I doing for others? whether it's sponsoring, making an outreach call, or just servicing your family, and you, what did I uncover today? So it's either a quick AEIOU or that. There are also extensive sheets, but I'm not an extensive person, and at night I just want to hit the paw. Now well, that's about it. Okay. Ciao. Um, thank you, Cheryl. Well, thank you your sponsor. Uh, I'm a real conglomerate with my sponsors. How do I work with them? Everybody is unique and individual. And um, I'm I sponsoring about 10 people now. But about five or six of them have been in program a long time and have worked through the steps. So when I get a new idea or I hear something, we'll work that together. Uh, I use other books outside of program, spiritual books that we read together and we do work in those. Um, I work differently with each person. A lot of times when I get a new person, I ask them what they would like from a sponsor. Uh, I've taken people through the big book, but like I say, I feel like our our step book and the big book together and the AA step book, the three books together is what makes my program strong. And so I'm usually, um, we work in all three books and we go through the steps together and uh, talk about whatever's coming up during the day and um, food they can give me or not. You know, I really am not a nutritionist and I don't know what you should eat and I don't really, I don't get myself in my sponsee's food. You know, if I see something weird, I'll comment, but you know, I think that we know what we need to eat and so it's between you and your higher power. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I work with everybody. Thanks. All right. mm-hmm. One more question. Yeah. I forgot I had one. Okay, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I, I absolutely relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so there's um, restraint of tongue and pen That's from the Step 10, the AA book. I was listening to that this morning, Restraints of Tongue and Pen. So I pause a lot. It tells me in the big book, when I'm agitated or something's wrong, pause. You know, I try not to react anymore. I was a reactor, and I tried to act. Um, Honestly, I really don't get so angry anymore. I don't know. I think when you like yourself, and you're just kind of wear the world is a loose garment. I can't remember the last time that I felt anger. Uh, when I do feel anger, I need to talk about it and get rid of it. So sharing with others is a great help to me. I'll make phone calls and I'll tell them about it and get it out, I'll write about it. I've taken a black magic marker and written curse words and whatever I want about my anger. I've torn it up, I've burned it, um, you know, but generally, you just have to get it out of you some way, you know. To just get quiet and get it out of me. Um, I haven't felt anger in a long time. I'm really very grateful, thanks. Okay. Okay, it.